Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This is a safe space where mamas can talk openly about their highs and lows of motherhood and to look deeper into who they are as women and their journey into motherhood. We may agree and disagree or cry and laugh, but one thing for sure is we will learn from one another and have a great time. So sit back and enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I'm on with Sabrina, who is an online trainer. Sabrina teaches life strategies for professional women 30 plus to stay healthy, fit, and balanced. Hello, Sabrina. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. It's a nice Monday evening or afternoon. Why don't you go into and describing kind of, I know you're a mother, go into a little bit of your motherhood journey because this is a podcast you know, geared more towards moms. So a little bit about your family life, motherhood journey, and then we'll jump right into the Maverick Health Coaching Tribe and all that good stuff you got going on. Awesome. So I have two little boys. My oldest is six now and my youngest is two. Yeah. (laughs) So that is a journey each and every day. And I have a wonderful husband who, I mean, just rocks the show all day and all night. I can't even say enough about him. So because he puts up with me on top of it. (laughs) So kudos, shout out. You know, we're just living life in Los Angeles. We've been one of the families who has grown our family during quarantine. So all of this is a very new and exciting journey. And, um, you know, we're just doing the best we can day to day, just loving life as a family. Wow. So wait, six, six and two, how is that four year difference? Because right now our son is three. We were always kind of like one and done. And my husband's like, you know, if you're really maybe, and I'm like, oh, really? Because we were kind of whatever. How is that four-year difference, four or five-year difference going into? It's cool, actually. It's really cool because my oldest is like, he's such an empath. And he is just like such a heart-centered child. And he just has like endless patience for his little brother. Sometimes like he'll lose it. And and then he starts squealing. And then the little one thinks it's hilarious. And I'm like, okay, bring it in, bring it in. But he really, at the end of the day, loves being able to step up and say like, that's my little brother and I'm the big brother and I got him. He loves that responsibility. Yeah, no, I know a lot of women that they do say when they transition to the second child, it could be a little difficult. But I know so many moms with multiple kids. So I'm like, look, if, if you, you guys can do it. Back in the days, like <laughs> nine plus kids. I think we're okay. My sister has six kids. <laughs> you know. Take out the big thing. <laughs> That's too funny. Okay, okay. So why don't we go into the Maverick Health Coaching Tribe? What does that entail? Were you always into fitness? Did you have a previous profession? Like, how did you get into allowing, you know, ladies and why 30 plus? Get into all of that. So we'll just we'll kind of go and you'll you'll keep me on track. Yeah. So my background, I've been a personal trainer since 2009. I actually got into exercise by way of hula hooping. So my sister got me into that. And it started as I was unemployed, I like to call it, right? That time where you're unemployed, but you sent out the email. So what else are you supposed to do for the day? So I was fun employed and my sister, and just kind of anxious about it. My sister says, look, you're stressing out over nothing. Why don't you go hooping with me? And I thought she meant basketball hooping. I'm like, yeah, right. So she's like, just come with me. You'll see. 
So I show up and she's got these giant hula hoops. No joke. Like, I think they're like three, four feet hula hoops, right? So she's like, I got my music player. We live near Venice Beach. We grew up near Venice Beach. So like that's home territory for us. And I mean, we set up shop on the beach and we just hula hooped our feelings and, you know, just... I mean, we're just drinking water and enjoying the sun and just hooping, you know, all our emotions out. And by the end of the day, I was so standy, sweaty, gross, and satisfied because I realized, geez, I didn't even realize I had so much energy that was becoming nervous energy because it was just sitting around. So once I knew that just kind of rote movement was really helpful for me emotionally, I just, I couldn't get enough. So let me just interject there. So were you ever into, like, were you ever an athlete? Were you ever into that? Or you kind of just were like, ah, whatever. Okay. I am. And that's, that's actually what helped me get into like why I needed to make this my mission. Because I said, I can figure it out. Anyone can figure it out. Because I did not come from a super athletic family. I did not grow up with the best nutrition practices. I barely did PE. I was that kid who, oh, I forgot my shorts. So, you know, I'll just sit over here and you let me know in the classes. Like, you know, I was that kid on purpose. I remember I would cheat on mile run day. I would cheat because it was a lap and a half. Yeah. And you were the first half lap was an honor system, girl. No, <laughs> you were completely off. You were like, no, it so just completely off. But at this point in my life, I was definitely the heaviest I've ever been outside of pregnancy, and I wasn't happy about it. I wasn't comfortable with my clothes. I was in my early twenties. But I didn't feel like I wanted to go out and be seen because I was really embarrassed about my body. And I would have done something, but I realized I had no strategies. Like I really had grown up with no strategies to take control of my own health. To I've seen my mom on diets. My whole life I'd seen my mom on diets. And what I concluded is they don't work. Yeah. And the lifestyle. So going to your original point, it wasn't really the lifestyle that you guys had of really the nutritional value that a lot of us, unfortunately, especially in the minority communities, we don't have, you know? So yeah, so that's a good point is that you saw diets and you saw them trying, but not the lifestyle. Exactly. And I remember that the healthiest my mom had ever been was when she and my cousin took like a a dance fitness class at a college or something at night. And my cousins and I would all go to an aunt's house and then all the moms would go and do this class. And they were all happier at that point. I remember my mother and I didn't argue as much during that point. Like it just seemed better all around. So when my sister reintroduced this, like, or introduced really for the first time, this active lifestyle that I choose, it wasn't assigned to me. It wasn't a school project. I wasn't doing it for a grade. It was just, hey, you want to come out? It really did change my life. And it's so funny because I keep coming back to that as like, that's where it all started. It really is. It all, it all started in the hoop. And my sister and I were just hours, like the hours of bonding time that we spent hula hooping was amazing. But also the fact that it was an individual activity. Mm-hmm. I didn't need her to do it. It wasn't like, oh, we play sports together. It was something that I could do on my own. And even the first time I was like, oh, I want to do it, but she's busy. I guess I'll just try it on my own. Like, even that was such a step for me. And once I knew that, hey, I I can take control of this on my own. I can take care of myself. I don't necessarily need someone else in order to take care of myself. And even realizing it was a different experience working out with other people versus working out by myself. 
So, I mean, it just really ended up being such a gateway to myself, a gateway to my body, something I had built no relationship with over the years. And then I had had some health issues earlier before, some congenital heart defects that run in my family. So really all I knew of my body is it will betray you given the opportunity. Like I really, again, had no relationship with my body. I have chronic pericarditis. It's, it's this really fun situation where sometimes you're fighting an infection and your heart swells up and it crushes everything in your chest. Oh, wow. It's great. <laughs> and that comes randomly. Is that from when you were a child? It's, I had my first bout when I was in college, and I remember this, because it was my 20th birthday party, it was a week of, and me and my birthday twin were supposed to be having like a party together, and I could not go, girl, and it was so sad, because I could see it across the balcony, too, and by the time I got dressed, I was so winded, I laid down and slept through the night, and never got to the party. So the next day, I go to the hospital, and mind you, this is between classes, this is, I was Gosh, 20, yeah, I was 20. And I remember going to my morning class, being super uncomfortable, and then with my backpack, I took a bus to the hospital because the student health center had already said, oh, no, take some stuff. So I go over, I said, hey, my left arm is really hurting. My roommate poked me yesterday and something's not quite right because I had a roommate who was pre-med and she's like, let me check this out. So I'm like, something's not quite right. Also, I'm having trouble breathing. I don't know if that's a thing. So they put me in a room, you're 20, we'll come back and check on you. They come back after doing like some blood tests and they're like, so you're having a heart attack. We want to get you to surgery right away. Oh boy. I know. And I'm like, I'm 20. You're having a heart attack. I'm fine. Okay. And they're like, no, no, this isn't a joke. We need to get you into surgery. So they get me into surgery. And luckily, what they find out is it's not a heart attack. They do something called an angiogram and they find out it's not a heart attack. What it is, is it's the swelling is putting so much pressure on my lungs that I couldn't breathe. That's what I was feeling this whole time. So who knew? Thank goodness it was nothing more. But I still had to stay in the hospital, antibiotics, be monitored, blah, 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 for like over a week. And I still to this day am grateful for that experience because at the age of 20, I saw what it would feel like to be 80. Absolutely. And let me ask, do you still have like, what did they say? Okay, bye. Or were they like, okay, look, you may have these flare ups again. Or yeah, what happens next? So once again, the information and education was not there. They gave me a diagnosis, peace. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, yeah. exactly. And here's some medication. Exactly. Nothing about watch out for this. Here are some lifestyle changes you can make. Nothing. So good old internet. <laughs> and I'm looking into this. And as I'm telling my family, also my family takes this opportunity to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we got heart problems in the family. I'm like, wait, no, what? And all of a sudden, this is say, oh, yeah, we know these things happen and blah, 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 and run to the family. And I'm thinking, why was no one spending time in my upbringing? No one prioritized educating me about the body I have to live in. Yes. It's actually funny because I've never, <laughs> never answered all these questions in a row. I've never thought about that. That actually, yeah, that was a, a little annoying. I was like a little... But when you don't know, but when you don't know, you don't know, you know, that was the part that was the compassion piece that led me into wanting to be an educator. Yeah, because you don't know what you don't know. So now you have so to kind of 
you know, summarize. So you so you have this um, heart condition, basically, and 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 I guess right now, so you'll live with that for the rest of your life. But I guess there's ways to kind of maintain it. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's really not for me. Thank goodness, it's not a big deal. Actually, there are other people who live with it at varying levels, of course. For me, it's kind of like people who get a cold and get a cold sore. Gotcha. You know what I mean? It doesn't happen every time, but you are more likely, based on what's already floating in your body, right? Sure. So knowing that, okay, now I'm 20, they let me out. And then the recovery was weird too, because the recovery was not only from the episode, but I had an angiogram, which means now I have a collagen ball in my leg. Yeah. And I was already living in a second floor walk up. <laughs> and I remember being on the the first landing of the apartment stairs and my roommate comes up and she's like, how long have you been here? I'm like, I don't even know. It, it took me that long to get up this, you know what I mean? So it's, and crying and just being like, why? Why is this happening to me? You know, and like, if you just get me through this, Lord, if you just get me through this, I'll take care of this body. I promise so, I will. I will so here comes divine out. intervention. So now you get introduced to this sport, hula hooping, which good, good, good for you. Cause I tried hula hooping. My son had a, we went to some kids thing and I was trying to hula hoop. I'm like, oh, mama lost it. Um, I remember hula hooping, you know, as a kid. So I was like, oh, I need to get my hips back together with this. But so now you're introduced to hula hooping and now you're like, wow, you know, now again, like you said, it's your terms. You feel more freedom with it. You can do it in your, you can do it wherever. However, how does that transpire to nutrition? How does that then lead you to where you are today? I mean, probably it's like a knee-jerk reaction. I came home and was like, I've got to get healthy. Like, I got to get this. under. Like, I never want to deal with that. Finally, getting some information from my family and, and understanding the heart conditions and really just the range of conditions that were in my family, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, if this is what's waiting for me, is there nothing I can do? Is there no step that I could take to push it off, to mitigate, to whatever? And so it was, I think, that point that led me to first recognizing exercise was good for me, probably emotionally, before I even realized physically. But hey, hey, I also, like, lost, I think, 30 pounds in, like, the first couple months of just casually hula hooping. Again, this is all while I'm waiting to get a job. So, I mean, you can call it extreme hula hooping because I probably was for like four or five hours a day because I had nothing else to do. Again, for the first time in my life, being proud of my body, like, whoa, if I do this movement, it's getting kind of cute up in here and stepping out. And I've always been, you know, a fairly modest dresser, but, you know, a 20 year old wants to dress like a 20 year old and be cute and, you know, show it while everything's pointing up. So... <laughs> So, you know, for the first time, I was kind of like feeling myself and feeling cute, and but more importantly, feeling good. Yeah. So I have always been an each one teach one person. A white person? Each one teach one. Ah, uh, yeah. Like Maya Angelou says, you know, when you know better, you do better, for one. And then when you learn something, teach. And okay. I believe in that. But that was the thing. I've always been the kind of person explaining something to someone else helps me actually process it too. Mm. Because I put it together, maybe for the first time, if it hasn't been put together in my head, it helps me understand how other people understand it. And it reminds me of what I wish I would have known. And then just to kind of bring it all home to a really humble place, it reminds me of when I didn't know. Yes. Yeah. So sometimes it's really easy to be like, of course, didn't you know? Haven't you heard? blah, blah, blah. And then to think, well, wait a minute, think about 
the 0.5 seconds before you knew. Hold up, calm down, have some compassion. Everyone starts from a place where they didn't know and then they grow into what they know. <laughs> and coming back to it over and over and over with other people is what keeps me humble at times when I might think I have the system beaten. Well, I can eat next or this or that, or you know, I don't have to this and that. I don't have to take care of myself because I already know the system and I do this all day. It keeps me humble because when I'm starting with a new client and they go, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. I'm like, neither did I for a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So basically you find something that, that spoke to you. You get into wanting to basically make a lifestyle for yourself and be proactive, right? And then now you're like, okay, how do I help other women? When your babies came, because it is, you said six and two, how long was that span of you learning? Because obviously you had to get into teaching yourself certain things. What was that span between that and then actually helping other women? So again, I'm just a chronic entrepreneur too. So okay. when I first really got into hula hooping, probably within the first year or two, I started making hoops for other women. Oh, wow. And then because I would ask, oh, yours is so cute. Show me how you make them. I would make them and sell them really just for more money to make them and sell them again. It was more mm -hmm. of an art project hobby. And then family members were like, well, you got to show me how to use it. So people would then hire me to come to their parties. And so I was at a health and fitness fair and I thought my thing was hula hoops and blah, blah, blah. And someone says, hey, I'm doing a bachelorette party. I want you to come out. Not only do I want you to do hula hoops, but I want you to talk to us about how to eat better and how to get, how to, we want to get on like a, a six week plan. We all want to lose weight for the wedding. What? So I came to the bachelorette party with the hula hoops, teaching everyone how to hula hoop, but it was there that someone for the first time asked me to put together a program, like a, a program for their group. Wow. I said, yeah, okay, I can do this. So I sat down. That was the first time I really wrote out what I knew. Wow. And I'm not going to say it was a perfect program. <laughs> Far from it. No. It was the first time I actually sat there and structured it. But that's amazing. That is another divine intervention of how things just work out the way it's supposed to work out and what your purpose is. Yeah. And then that was a great learning experience. I mean, on so many levels, too, because not only was it the first time I actually wrote out like programs and like that kind of thing, I also found out what works and what doesn't work. I found out how to work with different personality types because I think it was a group of 12 women, including the bride. So it was a super party, right? I learned about kind of like group support and feedback. And then I also learned that you can give the same program to 12 women and end up with 12 different results. Wow. Look at that. And I'm so glad that I learned that early on, because if you're only working, if you're used to working with one kind of person, especially if that person is you yeah. or you and your sister or you and your sister and your mom or you and your sister and your mom and other people who have your genetics, mm -hmm. you don't have a large enough sampling yeah. to say what works for different body types or to, to give people a realistic idea of what they should be expecting. You know what I mean? When Absolutely. people join my program now, if someone says, you know, and that's where lifestyle comes in too, which I'll pick up. But if someone comes in and says, you know, I weigh 135 pounds, I really want to lose 10 pounds in the next six weeks. Totally doable, but that person is going to have to work harder. So I know that I'm going to have to push them harder versus someone who maybe comes in and says, you know, I'm 287, you know, I want to lose as much weight as my body will let me in six weeks. 
that person is probably going to lose more than 10 pounds, especially if they're starting from nothing. Sure. But then at the same time, someone else who maybe already lost 100 pounds and is coming in at the upper twos, they're not going to move as fast because their body's getting used to it. So having that experience with that range of women was so enlightening. Life so <laughs> Exactly. Like it was, it was a gift to be able to work with that group of women and, and it taught me so much and it helped me to help other people. And I said, wow, that after it was done, it was a great experience. I loved it. And I said, yes, is it what I want yes, to this is it. So, I mean, over that, there have been different versions of the Maverick life, but it wasn't until I had my babies, which was maybe about five years into this, my first son, when I really realized, okay, this has to be a lifestyle. Because when it's just you and your own, like, you're responsible for what you eat, you eat when you want to, I'm always been around. And you're on a structure, you can do it however, you have energy, you're not tired. (laughs) Yes, girl, tired, what's that? Yes. Like I was up at six every morning. See, I, I had clients at five. So I was up and cute at the gym by five. Nice. I'm not going to say super cute, but gym cute. Yeah, but you were <laughs> together and ready to go. Exactly. And I could come home, take a nap and then go see afternoon clients. So I had already worked into this lifestyle. And then, you know, when I got pregnant, I was like, yeah, fit mom. Like I worked out. My son was born January 28th. I worked out until Christmas Eve. Wow. And at your same level or obviously? I was training clients until Christmas Eve. So I was in the gym straight huge. (laughs) But (laughs) But I was doing it. And were you able to still go at the level that you were used to or did you have to adjust? As a trainer, luckily, I was always very aware of body mechanics because I'm a researcher-holic, and you know when I got my certification, I took the the education and all that very seriously and applied it immediately too. But yeah, I was able to still go pretty much at the same level. The differences was sort of on demos, like there are certain things that weren't going to be practical, anything laying on the stomach. I was not as graceful, you know, getting into certain positions. In the beginning, when I would get up and, you know, get up from a hands and knees position, someone offered me a hand. I'm like, I got it. Towards the end, I'm like, thank you very much. But (laughs) again, humility, because I had to still be in love with this body, even though it was different. See, here's the thing. This was not the body I built. This was not the body that I was all excited to build and I put all this work into and I had sacrificed and dedicated myself. This was something else. Yes. Let me ask, though, for the moms out there listening, I I do believe in being active while pregnant. I had developed, I forget what, abdominal strain of the muscle. I forget what it's called. But it was was something. So Mm -hmm. so if I moved certain way, it it hurt. Because I was into hit. Like, I, I, I was active every day. I walked, I walked, I walked. And I know it made a difference in my labor. Did you did you feel it make a difference in your in your birth, in your labor? Absolutely, absolutely. So my son was like a week late. Again, I am like too proactive for my own good sometimes. <laughs> the the day that was my actual due date, hold up, first off, ladies, your due date, let that go. Let it go. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. It's not up to you. Let it go. But my actual due date just happened to be on the full moon. So I'm all about it. I heard full moon equals baby. I heard pineapple. I ate an entire pineapple on a full moon, went for a walk. A week later passed. He still wasn't here. He was, I think he was like 10 days late. So the day before I went into labor, I went to the mall with my girlfriend and we walked and we walked. 
I walked three miles the day before I went into labor. Oh my God. I will tell you my labor was super long, but super gentle, surprisingly gentle. I went into labor on a Monday afternoon. My son was born Wednesday night. Wow. And then so I what about your second birth, just to kind of compare, were they similar as far as like, not and not like how it came, but your birth, like, was it, was the second one also like, it might've been long, and but you also felt gentle with it or, you know, not so hard. So actually, I can't speak to that because my second son didn't come to my family by birth. Okay, so you have one by law. Okay, that's why you yeah. said that you got you gained a child during quarantine. So, but your first <laughs> she's got two kids, maybe she's confused. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. But your first one, so so it did. So it it must have affected being active. I mean, there's studies that show the more active you are, and ladies, if you're listening, know you don't oh, run a marathon. Absolutely, but, absolutely. I really didn't have much trouble except in my first trimester, just kind of I was really nauseous. The only the time was actually my son just rode really high so that is where I would say I had issues was with cardio like just getting winded because my son rode so high he was in my lungs and then I I had heartburn like the whole time so I mean other than that like again super super blessed I had a very like pretty uneventful pregnancy I went with midwife the the most I guess eventful portion of it was I was in labor so long that I did get dehydrated so they had to take me to a hospital rehydrate me and then once I was there, they were like, well, you're already here. So I know, right? Yes. So I love the med- the medicinal world. I know. And I was like, ah. so my midwife stayed as a doula. They let oh. her stay on as a doula, but she didn't do the delivery. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So, so now, we were still yeah. able, I was still able to deliver drug free. But I will also say that I had better control of my body because of it. I do believe that because at one point it was going slower than they want. It was going slow and then it sped up. And then I guess there was an issue with, you know, actual delivery. And they were saying like, oh, we're going to forceps him. And suddenly I remembered. Yes, exactly. I remembered. I want my baby with forceps on his head. I was like, hold on. I got this. Boom, we're done. Nice. There's your education. So I I feel like I was able to will my body, even just, of course, the health of my child was primary, but give me one more chance and I will do what I can do. (laughs) You came to where you were like, no, wait, wait a minute, let me do this one more time because I level up. But it goes to maybe some of the working out, the stamina that you had developed and all of that helps with it for sure. So now you have this new body. You have baby, new body, then what? Girl, the struggle was real. You know, again, blessed to have super gentle experience in the realm of things, but it was a different body and it was not what I was used to. I am not a blessed in the chest woman, naturally never have been. That was a whole different balancing act, right? You know, being comfortable with that, like even aesthetically, you think you want it till you have it. You know, getting used to that in the gym, getting used to even once I went back to training, you know, I breastfed my son until he was nine months. So, I mean, I stayed full and that was a different experience being in the gym. I was used to being in this body in the gym, not Jessica Rabbit. Like it was (laughs) it was very different. So, I mean, in a way it was kind of like, wow, this is a very different body. But it also, I guess there was a time where I was like, oh, this is fun to see what it's like on the other side, but it never felt quite like mine. 
until I started getting back into my routine and working out again. And I remember telling everyone, you know, I was so sure I was going to be back in the game. All right, guys, six weeks. I'll see you again. No problem, clients. I'll be back. I remember making the call and being like, you know what? It's going to be a couple more weeks. So I think I did take eight weeks off and then came back, you know, but even still, it was the weight didn't come off as quickly as it used to. I had lost a lot of muscle tone because I was quite toned right before I got pregnant. And I saw that fall away pretty quickly and that made me sad. You know, the hormones are relaxing and it makes you lose your tone. So it took me a while to get the tone back. What, what have you done research? Like why, what, is there something yes. in these bodies? So there's a chemical, a hormone in your body called relaxin and your body kicks it up to make room for all the muscles that need to stretch and the joints and the ligaments that need to expand and blah, blah, blah. So it does cost you muscle tone. It's a natural process. The women who stay fit and cut, you know, when they're nine months pregnant, bless your heart. That's not a lot of us, I think, you know, so yeah, it's a natural part of the process. And that was it too. me having to like, again, I'm too proactive for my own good. Sometimes I'm researching, you know, but realizing like, oh, that's just, that's the way the body is supposed to do. It's doing this different thing. Even the nosebleeds, like no one tells you about all these like little things, nosebleeds and such that I was having when I was pregnant. I've never had a nosebleed in my life. I was but it's no- your, it's your body's hard. way of preparing for whatever that next step was going to be. And even you saying, you know, being in the Jessica Rabbit body, which is amazing to say, because same thing, I've never been top heavy and I didn't think I could breastfeed. And then all of a sudden I've got these like things that I'm like, oh, they hurt, they're big. And I'm like, what the heck do I do? Your body was doing what it needed to do to feed your baby. So it's a beautiful, empowering exactly. thing. It really was. And I think it was during that time that I had to learn, okay. You're, you don't get to own that. You don't, you own this body, but you don't get to own that look. You don't even own that level. You work for it constantly. It's in an ebb and flow, but your body is in an ebb and flow because right before this, in a past life, I was actually a circus performer. So <laughs> I was between gigs, right? So I was a performer and you know, I was, I was at my peak and I had gotten back into that too. Like I was training and also performing again which is fun and of course right just as i'm right at it pregnant so you know it's life has an ebb and flow and every phase is beautiful if you accept it and enjoy it and that was something that i said life is so much better when i embrace the phase i'm in so when i was yeah and rather than putting all this pressure on myself to keep that, to get back into fighting shape in six weeks. Okay, well, the the magazine says, you know, this celebrity got back in six weeks and that's, well, okay, girl, good for them. (laughs) They have, most have this arsenal of things. Exactly, they have chefs, they have trainers, they have night nurses, they have- resources, yeah. Exactly, resources. So that was a time when I said, you know, let me figure out what healthy looks like for me and for my family now. I want to do the things that I want to do to be healthy because those things make me feel good. How do I integrate my family so I'm not excluding them from it? But also, how do I not continue some generational curses? 
some that were health related, I mean, just congenital, some that are lifestyle, cultural, learned habits within the family. And I didn't have the answer for all that, but I said, you know what I can do? I can bring my baby into the kitchen when I'm cooking. So, you know, I'm cooking, I'm showing them, this is a vegetable, that's a vegetable. You know, this is how we make this. I made my own baby food for like the first bulk of it. I think most time it was on baby food, I was taking care of it. Yeah. And then I even thought to myself, this is not just baby food, this is food. The difference is, okay, so I'll take a scoop of his that's bland and then I'll add some seasonings and whatever to yeah. this. So when I'm sitting down at the table, I was able to say carrots, you know, mushed carrots for you and braised carrots for us. And that to me was, again, the lifestyle that I'm talking about. You know, as we discussed, I believe in uh, multitasking in, in certain ways, you know, not necessarily multitasking, but maximizing the task, mm-hmm. optimizing, let's say that is the word, optimizing, you know, the experience. So if I'm going to cook carrots, if cooking carrots is the experience, let's optimize it. Carrots for babies, some in the freezer, braised carrots for us, steamed carrots for us, you know, tomorrow, you know, stick some in the freezer. How do you make this a lifestyle? And the more I kind of honed it in my home, the more I was able to teach it to my clients and in teaching it to my clients, opportunities just started showing up. Hey, we need a wellness workshop here. We need an educational program here. You know, I had the great honor of doing a program with the city of Austin, you know, for their public health department, you know, and that again was a great experience because I got a huge sampling of people to work with. And that I think at that point I was far enough in my profession that I had the experience. I knew that the the information was sound, but this time I was able to focus more on the people and the types of people I was working with and some of the common concerns that they were having and the common struggles. And, you know, being a woman myself, of course, I'm going to listen to the moms and, you know, listen to the women. And, you know, whether I had women on the group who were saying, you know, I'm having hormone issues. I feel like I can't lose as much. You know, I feel like I do well for three weeks and then one week a month, I just destroy it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I feel like, you know, ever since I started this diet, I can't stop yelling at my family. Like, you know, listening to the quality of life behind the lifestyle and realizing that the women who lost 10 pounds but gained a knowledge of themselves seemed happier than the women who lost 20 pounds and still lived in fear that they were going to put the weight on as soon as the program was over. Yeah. So I said to myself, you can teach these women how to diet or you can teach them how to live. There you go. Love it. All these quotes. I hope you have these quotes up. Like these are things like I cannot wait. When I this is why I'm filming. Like, organic is best. Organic. Is, hey, there we go. Organic is best. You heard it. Another one. Yeah. Okay. What I want to do is when these episodes come out, like get quotes from them and like, oh, you're going to have like a ton of tag me, Serena, love it. No, because it's so true. We're living in a day and age, which I will probably also get into like with quarantine and things like that. But we are, we're living in a day and age where it's like, we need the positive as much positive reinforcement as we can get on so many levels because, you know, we still are going crazy. Like we kind of slow down for a little bit, but let's be real. We're kind of getting back to, you know, life, life goes on, you know? So yeah, any, any positive reinforcements or anything like that for sure. So I'm assuming then from there, you decided, okay, that you really, your, your niche or what you really wanted to help 
was the 30 plus ladies. Did you feel that you resonated more with them? So that was recent. Like I said, there have been a lot of iterations of this concept under different names we don't need to go into because they didn't work out for whatever reason they didn't work out. But all of it has led me to where I am now. And the truth of the matter is, in certain ways, I regret that I shut them down because had I continued to work at them, I would have been, right, years ahead from where I am now. But the thing about it is I would have had to do some major rebranding and growing and whatever that I did not have the knowledge or the wherewithal to do at that stage in my life. And that is why I focus on the 30 plus women because it is at this stage in my life that I have the wherewithal to stick to anything, to even think about sticking to anything, you know? And it's not just the wherewithal because I had to look at the different reasons why people were telling me they weren't in shape. The the 20 somethings who, oh, I wanna lose a few pounds, I wanna lose a few pounds there. With them, it's mostly just getting started. If you're 20 something, for the most part, if you can get yourself the information you need and then act upon it, almost anything will work. Because your body, again, is just naturally optimized at that point. But it's when you have to actually work at it and create a system and then again, time management actually fit that system into your life, whether you, you know, you have children or not, you have a life, you have family, you have, you know, people who are depending on you, friends you're trying to see, relatives you're trying to see, coworkers, projects to finish. That was when I said, okay, 30 plus women are the women who understand the importance of a system, a program, a schedule, strategizing, backup plans, compassion, forgiveness. I would hope, I pray, I try to make sure that at this stage in my life, I am not so petty to believe that it's easy. You know what I mean? I think I spent a lot of my 20s beating myself up because I kept thinking it's supposed to be easy. I think I thought it was supposed to be easy because other people told me it was supposed to be easy. My mom would buy these diet this or get this diet that. Oh, don't worry, it's gonna make it easy for you to lose weight. This will make it easy for you to lose weight. Having trouble losing weight, this will make it easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to lose weight, but it's simple. And again, it goes back to the healthy lifestyle choices. It's not about losing weight. I think what people don't understand is if you are, and I don't wanna make this to sound a certain way, but if you are quote unquote overweight or if there's certain things, you gotta look at what you're ingesting and putting into your body because there's something that's not right. I agree and I wanna phrase it. I get what you're saying. So I wanna phrase this right because I think that this could be a gem to echo, you know what I mean? What I say is if you are not living in the body you wanna be living in, then you have to look at the light you're living. 100%. Because I'm no skinny mini. It's not going to happen. These hips don't lie. And that's the thing. It's like there are certain things on your body that are structurally, right? These shoulders, they're structural. These hips are structural. However, you know, the padding around them, even to that is somewhat predisposed. You know, I'm 5'4". I'm not going to grow. So the weight I have on me is not going to be stretched out. I even have a cousin that has my same features, but she's taller. So she still has my big legs, but she's taller. So they look different on her. So we're all dealt the cards that we're dealt, but you have to spend time with yourself to, for one, 
look at what you like and what you don't like about it because everybody has something that they like about themselves, but you have to dig for it sometimes. And the people who say that they don't have anything that they like about themselves, those are the people I worry about. Mm. If someone can give me one thing that they like about themselves, I can work with that. We all have something that we like about ourselves and it, it comes down to optimizing. Again, it's that concept of optimizing. If there was something I could be doing, I would do it. If I knew what it was, I would do that. If I knew where to find the information, I would go and find out what it was. So I personally have that mindset that's always been me, but I realize that's not everybody. So once I learned to create a program for people, I learned to create a structure, I learned to teach some of the strategies that I had used, that's when I knew that's what Maverick needed to be. And that's when I realized that the strategies that I teach work for anyone, really, if you want it. So I never, I don't turn away women that are under 30. I don't do that because if you, if it resonates to you, your head is in the space. Uh I'm just saying that I know my head wasn't in that space until about 30. No, and and that's a a good point. I also think that older you get, like I was thinking about it, God, I was listening to some song and it was like one of those challenges songs. And like, gosh, if I was younger in my 20s, I would have knocked this challenge out. I'm talking about one of those TikTok challenges. I'm like, well, my body isn't as flowy as it used to be, you know, and then it got into me like I need to work out more because it just had me thinking because I'm like, I see why, let's say someone like my parents or people like my parents who don't work out, right? Why my mom's like, oh, my back, oh, my knees. And on my mind, I'm like, yes, because you're not moving. So even someone like me who's very active, but I haven't, I still, I have my, I've had my ebbs and flows since my son has been born and he's three where I've worked out. And then of course, life and things happen. And I'm like, oh, I probably would be more fluid if I did X, Y, Z, right? But because I am older, it takes a little bit. But it did get me thinking again with the whole generation of things. I'm like, no wonder why. No wonder why then they have the aches and the pains because if they're not actively doing that muscle memory or keeping their body from from getting stiff and stuck, then these are the issues that they have when they're older. Exactly. And I mean, I don't think very few people would choose that life. You know what I mean? Especially like, think about it. We know about it. And yet the chances of us having aches and pains in our 60s is still very high. Because there's a couple things at play here. For one, the body is finite. And it's meant to be finite. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it precious. If the body was infinite, whatever. Why work out when you could work out next week, when you could work out the week after, when you could work out the week after? It's finite. So it is about finding opportunities. Something that works for your body at one stage of your life might not be right the next stage. I remember one client I had, she was, if mindset could make all the difference, she would have been the one. But we started in and we didn't start too hard, but she wanted to go hard. Cause she was like, I'm gonna get back like I was before I had two kids. Mind you, her kids were like 12 or 13. They would come to the gym with her. So I'm like, okay, so it's been a minute. Like, and I would try to like, okay, oh, well, good. Oh, you did more than you need to. Okay. Why don't we take a break? And within three weeks, she was hurt. And then she took a week off and then kind of hobbled back and then it wasn't quite right. And then, and then eventually she quit. And I said to myself, oh, you know what I mean? Because that's another thing too. People have been so hurt by the experience of losing weight or getting in shape or whatever, because they didn't have the proper support technique information, that it they can take it as a defeat when it doesn't go their way instantly. 
And so that was another thing. I wanted to create a safe space for women to try something new. Don't get me wrong here. I am not running an online CrossFit gym. That's not what's happening here. The exercises that I give to my clients are like functional movement exercises. They're familiar. Some of them are new. Some of them have my own spin. Some of them I corrected myself for kinesiology or I've optimized in ways that I think most people understand a little bit better. You know, I've done the work in that, but either way, no one's doing backflips in my program. You know what I mean? It's core toning, it's posture training, it's balance, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, agility, it's coordination. These are the tenets of health. Can you stand on one leg if you need to? Could you, you know, step up on a big step without falling backwards? Could you stand in a tandem position without losing your balance? Can you stand still when your eyes are closed? Like basic things that people forget about, but if you don't practice these skills, I guarantee you, you will lose them. I'm also a rehab clinician, and so I see it. I see it day in, day out with people. And part of the reason that I knew Maverick had to stay part of my mission, even as I went into my my medical career, was the fact that sometimes I look at my patients and I think, and they're wonderful people. I love, I love, the, I love being a rehab therapist. I can't even tell you enough of it. I love it. So like you can see it, like you like, I love how, yeah, yeah. It's all connected. You're having people live their best lives and be, it's, it's that being the best versions of themselves. Exactly. And that's where the compassion comes in because I'm helping people at that stage. And I still meet it with the same internal enthusiasm. I tone it down for work, but I still meet it with the same enthusiasm, commitment, dedication to helping that person. But I also have to meet it with the same realism. That person might not optimize in the time frame I am with them. They might not optimize in the way that I recommend, or they might not be motivated to optimize at all. That's the truth. And so when I keep that compassion with my patients, I keep that compassion with my clients. All in all, I truly believe that everyone who works with me, if you choose to work with me, it's because you saw something in yourself. You wanted to do better. And whatever the outcome is, it really was your best effort for that stage in your life. And if it wasn't, you know it. I don't have to tell you because you know it. And that's why I do check-ins with my clients. That's why it's not only about, you know, I write a program and I give it to you and good luck with everything. This is not the same as downloading, you know, a chart off Pinterest. This is not even the same as using some of the, you know, the big names that are out there. I'm not going to call nobody out, but, you know, the multi-billion dollar companies that hilariously designed the same program that I like designed over the course of years. They did it in six months. So good for them. They got their own life <laughs> I will admit their R&D department is faster than mine, but you know, it's, it's not the same. And I will say, I, I watch the trends. I look at the stats. I still have better stats than those programs. And the difference is me. And I say that so humbly because it's not that I'm giving much, 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 much better information. I mean, my information I think is maybe more accessible. I try to break terms down for people so they can get the education. But the me difference is I'm gonna call and check. I'm gonna text you, did you do the workout? Hey, you finished faster than last time, good job. 
You know, I'm in my people's lives. I like to tell them, I'm not here to be your mama. I'm here to be your Jiminy Cricket, right? I'm standing on your shoulder making suggestions. You take them or you don't, but either way, I'm with you. Yeah, with no judgment and just a safe space zone to wear whatever you yeah. need here to push you. Exactly, because I'm on your journey. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've created a roadmap that I think is a good roadmap. And I've based my program on the things that I would have wanted to know in my journey. You know, I run a couple different programs, but the zero to 60 program is my signature offering for a reason. It's 60 days, which is a short time of commitment, but you can do a lot for yourself in 60 days. I believe I'm a different person than who I was 60 days ago. Wouldn't you agree? When you really look at your life 60 days ago, for us, that's what, December? December, December. December 8th. I was a different person in December 8th. What's happened since December 8th? For sure. And when I make that offer to someone, look, we got a zero to 60 challenge coming up. This is an opportunity for you to change your life in 60 days. It's specifically designed for busy, motivated women who want to lose at least 10 pounds over like 60 day period. But the truth of the matter is most people lose more. Some people lose less, but most people lose more. But everybody, every single person I've ever done the program with who's completed has said they're a different person on the other side of 60 days. Um, Every single person. I had one person who lost eight pounds and I kind of was not looking forward to the exit interview because I thought she, I thought she was going to, this is your fault somehow, you didn't blah, blah, blah. But she said, wow, that was amazing. I am a different person than who I was. And the biggest change that she noted was that it took her that long to figure out how to fit it into her schedule, how to make time for herself for the last. And she was a busy woman. She had a lot on her plate. She didn't have children, but she was the caretaker for her elderly mother and running her own business and all that that entails. And she said, it took me that long to make space and time for myself. So imagine how much more for people with multiple children, for people working multiple jobs, Mm -hmm. for people, you know, running their own businesses. Absolutely. I think 60 days to build up a habit would make sense, right? So that's why she needed to hold something accountable. So maybe in her mind, it was like, it's not necessarily the pounds per se, but I need to know that after these 60 days, I can continue at this pace. Exactly, exactly. And that's why the tribe exists. So the tribe exists for a couple different reasons. Well, it exists really to be a community of ongoing support. I like it because it's a low commitment way for people to take a peek at what's out there. If the concept of going to a gym, going to a studio class, a Nike workout or something, if that seems too daunting, there has to be something for those people. It can't be all or nothing. And that's what I say about, you know, I am not an online CrossFit studio. That's not what I do. That's not my people. That's someone else's people. I've done CrossFit. I enjoyed it. But that's not my people. My people are the people who are trying to get started, the people who want to keep going, the people who need to make this a way of life. Those are the people I'm talking to. The tribe exists to be there for those women, to be support for those women. The tribe is a wonderful community. You know, women are able to talk to each other. Hey, I'm struggling with this. Does anyone know? Hey, I'm looking for a peanut butter alternative that's not almond butter, any suggestions. And then you get the benefit 
of everyone else's experience. Because I know I'm not the only person who's ever been on a diet. I know I'm not the only person who's ever been on five diets. You know what I mean? For every diet that didn't work, let's hope you learned something. Sure. And if you can share it with a community of women who are trying, who are just trying every single day in the best way they know how, for the amount of energy they have that day, for the amount of grace they have that day, for the amount of coffee they've had that day, right? If you can share a tidbit with women like that, or you can catch a tidbit from them, right? That's a community. And I think part of the reason why I launched the tribe in quarantine was for one, in the initial stages of lockdown, I had nothing to do. I was very disoriented when lockdown first started. I mean, like all of us, but I actually had, ju- I had just come back from Colombia. I went to Colombia to run the Colombian half marathon and came back on the 13th. And I think lockdown started in LA on the 15th, something like that. Same thing out here. Mm-hmm. So I just barely made it back. And I didn't even pay attention. I was on vacation, girl. I was living my best life taking pictures, but I wasn't checking the news. I wasn't on Facebook except to post every once in a while and then go back to having a good time. I had no clue what was going on. I had heard of Corona right before I left. It sounded like something that was a problem in New York. I live in California. I'm good. I'm clear across the country doing my thing. And then I started seeing this whole like toilet paper and alcohol thing happening. And I'm thinking, are people getting drunk? What's going on? Well, where's no- your husband and your are your families with you? No, no, it was just me. I was there by myself. I would check in, and my husband is a very matter-of-fact person. It never came up. Never like, hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic, or something's happening. It's like, oh, goodness. I think, but you know what? And I'm sorry, man. I think that let's not even go there, but that's like a whole nother thing. I know, right? I know, right? I know. these things, and I'm like, huh? You didn't ask this? You didn't talk about this? Nope. I'm like, Okay. I heard about a worldwide pandemic through the grapevine, girl. And by the time I finally found out, and I wasn't sure how serious it was, I went online and tried to order a bunch of toilet I asked my husband, too. I said, oh, I just heard about this. Do we have no toilet paper and paper towels or whatever people are? Yeah, I think so. We're good. I put in an order. No, the answer was no. I put in an order. My order was canceled. They were out of stock. By the time I got back, and really, I went nowhere except from the airport to my house. I heard about it on the radio and my Uber driver driving me there. Oh, wow, this is really serious. Seems like a thing. I had just run a marathon. I had just been traveling for a week. I just stayed home, rested, slept. I'm not someone who lives in constant social media and news. I was just home with my family for a few days. And it wasn't until I started sending the alarms over the phone that I was like, oh, this is a real thing. I had no clue. But anyway, the, the point is I was blindsided. My Even my medical career, which you would think is foolproof, right? Working in the medical field, everything was shut down. Well, for that time, because they didn't even know what the heck was going on, yeah. Exactly, exactly, because I'm considered allied health. So I wasn't in, you know, I wasn't working inpatient at the time. So I had no work. I wasn't sure if I would have more work. They were trying to send me out to see patients. I couldn't get alcohol. I couldn't get supplies. I couldn't get anything. Wow. So we've talked about this nervous, fun, employed energy, right? So I'm at home. This was not fun employed. This was like really nervous energy. And I remember just being like, again, what can I do? What can I do? If there's something I could do, I, could, I would do it. And that's how the tribe came about. I said, let me make a program that is accessible to everyone. I want something that's 
ongoing information, support, knowledge, movement, motivation mm -hmm. for women like me. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just while they're sitting at home during quarantine, the gyms were closed. So I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't anything. It's not like I didn't know how to work out at home. I did, but I had my kids. I had the, you know what I mean? And you I hadn't also, built a program based on that. I hadn't exactly. I had not built a, mm, I had not built a program based on the current circumstance. Correct. So exactly. So necessity is the mother of invention. You know, I sat down, I looked at my resources, I put in the time and I created the tribe and it's been really well received. You know, it's growing every day. And I will say that one of my favorite things about the tribe is the community aspect. It's what I was doing an exit interview when people leave my program and all of them say the community is their favorite part because there's, there's doing the program, there's doing life and then there's doing life by yourself. And I think one of the takeaways from this entire situation, we were not meant to do life by ourselves. I also think that what I'm learning is we were not meant to do life in crowded anonymity either. I live, you know, outside of an extremely large city, you know, one of the largest cities in the world. I grew up in LA. LA is, I, I know how to float through anonymity like a New Yorker, you know what I mean? You don't have to know everybody on the street, but when you see another New There's Yorker, you know. In your yeah. And LA has a different kind of buzz. LA has, I, I wouldn't say, LA maybe doesn't have as much buzz as glide or flow, <laughs> but you know what I mean? But to be removed from that, especially all the stuff that was going on too, you know, Black Lives Matter had to take a stand. I will say that to the day I died. They had to take a stand. Whether or not I like the way it went down, that's not the conversation. They had to take a stand. And even in that moment, I was thinking about my physical safety. Like that was a real thing. I really felt in that moment with the pandemic, with, you know, riots happening, with protests, with, you know, police shootings, and I didn't know which one to cry about. There was a lot going on. And I said, I can't, I got to the point where I said, I can't control that. I can control this and I want to control my body in the healthiest way possible. I don't, we don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, but I'll tell you what, I wanna know that I did the best that I could do, that I enjoyed every day leading up to the last day of my life and that I made an impact where I could. And in a time that seems so uncertain, I mean, that's completely unprecedented. This is my offering to the world, to the universe. This is what I know how to do. I don't know how to make hurts of the world go away. But what I know how to do is I know how to offer information that can make you feel better in your body, that can give you confidence, that can give you more energy, that can help you live life in the body you want to be in. And so that's why I created the tribe, because that's what I had to offer in that moment. That's awesome. Now, are, have you been back into, have you been back in the gym since? Like, obviously, you, you create your tribe. So now you're creating programs to be like, okay, we have to pivot. We have to pivot. I, I, I see the theme of your, your, the portion of the life that you shared, resiliency and adaptability and, you know, finding a way, which I admire and I love that. I, I, I'd like to say that's one of my strong sense too. I'm very adaptable. You put me in anything and I will adapt and make it through. Um, mm -hmm. which I hope to teach my son because I feel like that's a skill you can't teach. Well, that's a skill that not many people have. Not that you can't teach, yes. not many people have, so you have to 
support with that, you know? So I'm seeing a lot of those similarities here with your, with the whole mindset with everything. So have you been back in the gym? Have you just been like, no, this is my new way? Like how, how has that been for you? So let me, let me ask you, where are you located? I'm in Florida. Okay. Florida's been pretty open, right? Oh, that's right. Your LA hasn't been open. True, true that. So that's been part of the challenge is how do I create a program that speaks to people who are in different situations? They have different levels of accessibility. Mm -hmm. Some people might have access to the gym in their building. Some people might have access to the gym. It's just wide open, no big deal. Some people might only have what's in their apartment. Some people might only have what they can do in their backyard. You know, in LA, a lot of the gyms have actually moved the equipment out to the parking lot. And like put up fences and stuff like that. Like you said, it's being able and willing to pivot. Because some people are able, but they're not willing. Some people are willing, but they're not able. Mm -hmm. So in a situation where I had to ask myself, am I willing and am I able to pivot? That definitely factored into the way I built the tribe and the changes I made to the zero to 60 program. Both for me, because I'm in healthcare, I really try to be extra careful because like most people my age i believe that you know knock on wood i would my body has the best chance of getting through it if i were exposed or if i you know were infected but i wouldn't want to take it to my patients i wouldn't want to bring it into my home you know so many healthcare professionals are just i mean you think other people think they're on lockdown healthcare professionals we're just going working home and working home and working home we're not going anywhere else because we understand transmission you know so i really haven't been going anywhere i still oh i'm part of a dojo that's moved outside so that's been nice too because karate is not like i don't really have to do much with anyone else you know i'm able to practice it outside and such so that's been a real great outlet for me i've been doing martial arts for just over a year and the beauty is most of my martial arts education has taken place during quarantine because wow. I that was my present to myself last year for my birthday. I said, this is the year I'm going to do it because I've always wanted to give it a try. Awesome. And my life is all about giving things a try. And I, again, I try to be really flexible and adaptable and I try to optimize life. I want to have the most life that's available to me. You know, I was in Columbia doing a race because when I was in post-grad school, I decided, well, you know, this is a really intense, like long-term challenge. I want to do a physical challenge that matches. So I started doing distance racing and, you know, I did that for a few years. And then I remembered that knees are finite. So I stopped doing it and I transitioned into the, the sport for funsies. I got into that because I was going to Columbia and I said, just in case I want to be able to protect myself because I went by myself. So I went originally for self-defense and then just kind of when quarantine happened and I was home by myself, I just kept practicing my basics because that's all I had. And then when my dojo reopened and with an outdoor program, I said, yes, this is great. So now I've been back to that because, you know, I wear, we wear our masks and we're outdoor for one. I love looking like a ninja. I think I look great in masks. So I, I wear my ninja gear <laughs> and, you know, we keep our space and we're outdoors. But again, it's that physical exertion, that activity that helps me focus on me. And again, different challenges for different stages of your life. I'm going to be 34 in a couple days. 
there's some 34-year-olds who love to put miles on their body and will be runners for 20, 30, 40 years. I see them in the marathons. They are passing me by and I admire them. That's for me. That's not how I'm choosing to do my body. So I, I just want to transition and try something new, but it's been such an experience, such an experience in movement refinement, such an experience in compassion, because the only way to throw a good punch is to practice throwing good punch and practice and practice and practice. The only way to learn to take a punch is to take a punch <laughs> and to practice and practice, practice. So it is about choosing skills and honing them. Let me ask, before we get into my quick, my get to know, how do you, and I, I, the word balance, but you do, you know, you have your son who at He's a boy, so he's active, I'm sure, on some level of whatever that level is of that or the things that he's into. You have a spouse and you know, now you have a nice little addition to your family. How what do you do to make sure that you know you're able to learn? Because it's an inspiration. What you're telling me is actually amazing because I, I'm very similar to that. I love learning new things and I always have these macro level ideas of certain things and kind of what pivoted to mama's no best because I have a whole different profession in accounting and HR. So I get that. But yeah, but then I'm like exhausted <laughs> on some level. And I get it. You do work out, so you make sure you're at a certain level. But yeah, what do you do to like fill your cup and make sure you're there, Frank? Exercise is what I do for me because it doesn't benefit anybody else but me. I am a morning workout person. I know that's not everyone. Before I had my second son join the family, I was a morning workout person because I'll get up at six o'clock in the morning. I get my wake up, my workout. My son, you know, wakes up at seven and then I kind of get into the family groove. That was interrupted during quarantine, like most people, because our schedule was just all over the place. And it has always been scheduling and prioritizing that allows me to have room for myself. I like to think of my life as kind of Lego blocks. You know, I can take something out, move it around, put it in different orders, stack it on top, put it at the end if I need to, but it doesn't disappear. Part of what I teach is to take the few things that you really, really prioritize and know what they are. My time with myself, my time with my family, my career, you know, and, and time with people that I love, friends and family that I love. And those things will never disappear. Those are my priorities. So those get scheduled first. Everything else gets penciled in. So my family's written in ink and I give them the best placement. Actually, I give me the best placement. And, I, and then I give them second best. And I do that because that's how I do my best for them. That's awesome. I'm not going to agree to do something at a time that doesn't work for me if I can avoid it because it's going to cost me later. And of course, there's always going to be something that I, is unavoidable. Mm -hmm. So the things that I can schedule for my preference, I do immediately, even ahead of time. So that if someone asks me, hey, can you help me out next Tuesday? I can look at my calendar and be like, sure, I'm available Tuesday at 2 p.m. Or even when someone else says, hey, something came up, I have to change, I have to shift. It doesn't disappear. It doesn't even disrupt my life because I know where my openings are. Something came up, we're supposed to do this thing on Friday. Oh, okay, well, you know what? I have availability on Monday at this time. So because I schedule the things that are most important to me, I leave room for other things I and other that. people. You're just yeah. gems, girl. I love it. I love it. It's so true because I think a lot of people try and do everything else and then find time to do their family That's and exactly. what everything else. So it's like, 
if and like I'm already conceptualizing and saying, okay, yeah, when I'm starting my day, I mean, other than or not, or like let's say the month or the week and say, okay, what I want to do, looking to say, okay, I'm going to schedule and do this on this date first, figure out what days I want to do that, what time, and then say, okay, now that I have that, what other openings do I have for everything else? That's it. I mean, I have a I have a date night with myself once a month. Some nights I take myself out. Well, not so much now, but you know, I used to sometimes take myself out to a night nice dinner. Or some nights, you know, take a bath. Or some nights, watch junk TV. Or some nights, it is something like, you know, going through the sock drawer and separating socks or whatever. Because it's giving you whatever you need to do at that. Yeah. Agreed. Because that's my time and I will spend it how I choose. Not to get this morning, I wanted to do a a workout and there was something else. And then I said, you know what, the pile of laundry. And I said, I'm going to pivot. And do the workout tomorrow because really, truly what would bring me the most joy is if I see that pile of laundry down by this afternoon. So I did that first thing in the morning. My son and I mean, he had just gotten up for school and certain things like that. And we were there. But that brought me joy. And that's what I needed to do at that moment. And then I was like, okay, tomorrow morning, I'll jump right in. When I get up, same 530, then I'll and do what I got to do. So that's the pivot. That's the flexibility. I agree. I love that you said that you're going to you're going to shift it tomorrow because today this will bring you more joy. And that's what I teach my clients with their workouts if something comes up because things come up you just shift you shift things you don't have to reinvent the wheel you shift it into your available time for the next day mm-hmm. and you know when that time is because you predetermined time for yourself 100 percent. no and I then I also feel like visualizing your schedule helps you realize like oh my gosh every day is super duper packed mm-hmm. why is it like that no wonder I'm tired all the time. We, we're so hard on ourselves about, why am I so tired? Why, not? Girl, you just did 10,000 things. Of course you're tired. Even myself, like, you know, I have trusted friends and advisors who keep me in check. Like, mm, how many Brinas are there? Do you have a cloning machine? All right, then take that off the list. Exactly. You know, so visualizing is so helpful for me. And I'm just going to say, if you do not own a planner, oh. get yourself a planner, girl. A planner represents a couple of things. One, good intentions. And that's so important. If you you don't start with good intentions, how can you move forward? If you don't give yourself the best possible shot, which is writing things down, how can you move forward? What are you even moving forward to? Where are you going? If you don't have a map, where are you going? And so the planner is like a map to me. It's also like a journal. Because at the end of the day, I can be like, dang, I am so tired. What did I even do today? And then look at, oh, you took a call, you did this, you did that. Oh, dang, I did. Okay, you're allowed to be tired, girl. Put your feet up. Or if I see, you know what, flip, 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 it's been a few days since I've worked out, right? Or flip, flip, yeah, you went pretty easy those last two days. Today, why don't you go hard? Just some sort of record for the life that you've lived. And I would say hope for the life you want to live. Love it. I love it, Serena. It's been, you've been amazing. I love the gems, such a positive spirit. So many things I know I took away from it. It's funny because I thought of penciling in the thought of doing something for me on on a small scale, whether watching TV, but then I was like, oh, I don't want it to get so mundane, but hearing you say it. And again, that's why I feel like having conversations like this is so amazing because someone can, it can resonate with somebody. And if it does with one person, that's amazing. And that has resonated with me. I'm like, no, that's not foolish to resonate, like to watch TV at this day. Cause I'm like, 
okay, you know what? I know if I watch TV every day, I'm going to be a hot ass mess and I'm not going to get anything done, but I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. And that should be okay to enjoy it. So one day we go, you know, I've already thought about it and I'm like, oh, I don't need to pencil in. I'll just choose the day. But now that you're telling me, it's like, no, now I can actually plan for it and then say, okay, I can have that. So thank you for that. That's see, you already resonated with me. <laughs> well, you know, and, and here's the thing too. When you, when you plan it, you can ask for the support you need to make it happen. Exactly. And that's so like, and then it doesn't happen. Then you get upset. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, my husband can speak on that one, you know, <laughs> because he is so wonderful. Cause if I tell him, Hey babe, Thursday night, I need time to X, Y, Z. Can you watch the kids? No, I'm not available. Let me get, you know, but we can, we figure it out or that doesn't work. Could you do it Wednesday instead of Thursday? Sure. Shift. So again, it's like the closest thing to having a tangible schedule is writing it down sure. because you can look and you, can, you know what actually it is because I'll be honest with you I'm a spitfire there's a time when I might have had an, uh, an attitude about it well you know I was going to get together with the guys on Thursday could you do it when how come I have to do blah, blah, blah? You know, and that's and that's not good for me that's not good for our relationship that's not good for the atmosphere of our home so me being organized allows me to be more flexible Absolutely. and it does allow me to be there for the people who need me sure I have a cousin who's moving in a couple of weeks. Can I be there and help without getting upset, without overstressing myself? I looked at the calendar. Turns out I can. So now I put it in. And if someone says, you know, I'm supposed to move my cousin on Saturday. If someone says, what are you doing Friday night? You know what? Actually, I got something planned for Saturday. I'm not going to overcommit Friday because I can look in the book and see I have a big day Saturday. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love that you're dropping gems. Okay. Let's get into my, one of my favorite parts, which is get to know, kind of almost make it like a rapid fire question thing, but do you have a favorite book or one that you want to recommend? Ooh, ah, hmm. So many, you know what? Chillpreneur by Denise Dunfield Thomas. Mm -hmm. She is so amazing. And I love her concept of being an entrepreneur, but not being uptight about it, not, you know, following the male driven structure of entrepreneurship, because, you know, this whole get up at 5am and work and grind and crush the competition and stay up for, you know, all night. And that's not meant for a woman with children. Like that's not even remotely. No. So I love that she, you know, she goes against the grain and she inspires women like me, even what she calls multi-passionate women, you know, to carve out a space for themselves. You know, if you don't see it out there, maybe you're the first. If you see it out there, but you know you could do it better, maybe you're the best, you know? Love it. What are you grateful for today? Everything. I am so grateful for everything right down to these house slippers I'm wearing to be sitting here, you know, working in comfort, you know, with a roof over my head. And I hate to say in this day and age, but truly right now, what can't you be grateful for? You know, and I think that has so much to do with the way people feel, you know, your perspective has so much to do with what you're choosing. You're choosing your life every second of every day. So you're either choosing to have a very stressful life or choosing to have a miserable life or choosing to have a really great life. You know, in the midst of a pandemic, which I would say is arguably like the scariest time in my lifetime, you know, I've seen my family grow 
I've seen my husband just, I mean, he was killing it before, but now he's got two boys and he's just the most amazing father. I mean, I've fallen in love like eightfold, you know, to see my son really stand up and be the good, you know, heart centered person that I raised him to be. And then to be really patient with my little one who is two (laughs) and (laughs) to see him showing compassion. You know, in the midst of someone screaming in his face, my son is still there saying, well, let's take a breath. Hold on. Well, let's, you don't have to be so mean about it, you know, and to see him be the person that not only I I want him to be, but the kind of person I'd like to see more of in the world. That feels good to me. And so I'm grateful to, I'm just grateful, man. That's awesome. What has motherhood taught you? Everything. Yeah, motherhood hasn't taught me, but what it has taught me, the difference between grace and mercy, patience, compassion, communication, prioritizing, and really how to live in the moment. Before this, I think it was always on to the next, on to the next, you know, especially growing up, you always want things to go faster. Oh, I can't wait till I can drive. I can't wait till I can graduate. I can't wait till I can party. I can, you know, you're always thinking there's going to be something better on the other side. But what motherhood has taught me is this right here. This is the good stuff. It's happening. It's happening right now. 100%. No, to live in the moment for sure. Any other final thoughts to the podcast world? Anything else you want to say? This is your time. I have very few regrets in life, but I would say that if I could do one thing differently, I would have loved myself sooner and I would have loved myself more and I would have known that I deserve to be loved. Despite how I've been treated by certain people, even people closest to me, despite how I've been underestimated by certain people, even people closest to me, despite how I've been disqualified from so many things in this world based on who I am and what I look like, I deserve to be happy, I deserve to be healthy, and I deserve to think well of myself and the people around me. I deserve that. And I hope that the women who hear this will realize that they deserve it too. Because there's nothing special about me. But for me to get to the base level belief that I deserve to be happy, is, was, and will always be a journey. I hope that the women who are affected by this podcast can take this opportunity to hear. I came from South Central Los Angeles. No one was betting on me. No one was betting on me. So for me to be where I am, doing what I'm doing, living the life that I am, it's only proof that you need to take one step forward. I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the advantages. The only advantage I have is that my parents raised me to never give up. That has been my advantage. And when I think about the successes that women, the successes that we could have in life by just showing up, it inspires me. It helps me to know that if I can encourage one woman to just show up ready to succeed, to show up expecting to succeed, to show up knowing that she deserves to succeed, it's all worth it. It's all worth it because I know that if I do my job right, she's gonna inspire someone else and they're gonna inspire somewhere else. So I don't need to inspire everybody. If I can inspire one person, 
the ripple has started and I'm happy with that. Love it. Thank you so much, Sabrina, for coming on, for sharing your truth, for sharing your motherhood journey, for sharing your journey, for sharing these wisdoms and these gems that I cannot wait to quote and, of course, quote you with. It's just been an absolute pleasure. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for even making me think about this. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. Please share this episode download it, rate, review, and subscribe to my show if you haven't already done so. And tune in next time to hear another fierce mama share her motherhood journey. Continue blessings to you all for love and light.